welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast. My name is Tiffany Bova and I am your host today and I have the wonderful pleasure of welcoming Nathan Furr and his wife, Susanna Furr. I think this is a, oh no, this is the second time I've had a husband and wife pair. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So Nathan is a professor of strategy and innovation at Seed in Paris and an expert in the fields of innovation and technology strategy. His best-selling books include The Innovator's Method and Innovator's Capital. He is an InnoSight Fellow, has been nominated for the Thinker's 50 Innovation Award, I'm guessing on this last round, so congratulations for that. Susanna is an entrepreneur, designer, art historian, and contrarian. Her clothing line was inspired by her research into the intricate embroidery Dutch women painstakingly rendered on their plain uniforms. Details often invisible to all but the weaver and its significance in their daily lives. She has also founded a design services firm and they have four teenagers, which is a job in and of itself. But they have a new book out called The Upside of Uncertainty, a guide to finding possibility in the unknown. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So welcome to you both. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Well, we are going to start with the normal routine, which for my listeners is something I call bullish and bearish. Nothing too painful. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. I'll let you two either both answer or one answer uh, is fine. So the, uh, this one I'm going to direct to Susanna. So the first one is AI-generated art. Bearish. Oh, all right. Hey, How bearish. about you, Nathan? So bearish. Okay. <laughs> all right. The next one, uh, Robot Olympics. Bearish. Bearish. Oh, wow. Although it, that would be interesting. That would be interesting and weird, I'll have to say. But I'm kind of like super, yeah. So Robot <laughs> Olympics, like to see what you can do. Okay, I'm I'm bullish on that. Watching robots compete just in place of humans, super bearish on that. Okay. Uh, All right. Fair enough. All right. The last and final, time travel. Oh, super bullish. bullish. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now <laughs> let me ask, Nathan, uh, forward in time or backwards in time? Ooh, I'd probably go backwards. I'm kind of a nostalgic person. Okay. Susanna, how about you? You know, I would go backward too. I would, but I would be curious, but I'm, yeah, it's funny because we wrote about uncertainty, but really. <laughs> Even cooler would be adjacent time travel, right? Like, so if you could oh, go see doors. like the other like pathways your life could have taken, that'd be super yeah, cool. I would agree with that. <laughs> All right. I, I like that one too. I like that one too. And and interesting for the authors of The Upside of Uncertainty, which is about embracing fear. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you got to kind of just jump in with I two know. feet and go for it. So let's start at the beginning. You know, I think that, um, you know, embracing change and that getting uncomfortable and understanding the motivation behind fear, I think um, is something uh, so amazing when you can harness it in the right way. And I know you guys have sort of a, a core approach with sort of four tools uh, for uncertainty that I'd love for you to step our listeners through, because I think that that really encapsulates the upside of uncertainty. So whichever one of you would like to begin, I'm, I'm, I'm game. Sure. I'll take that. So actually it's four categories of tools. There are more than 30 tools in total, but we look at it centered around a first aid cross for uncertainty is what we call, which is what we call it. Um, the reframe is on the north. 
if you think of the four arms, reframing is really about seeing the possibility that is always attending and on the other side of the uncertainty that might be freaking you out at the moment, but that there's always possibility on the other side. Everything that we love about our lives now usually came after some uncertainty that we faced. Um, priming is on the left side of the cross. Priming is about preparing well. Uh, we can take steps. We can encourage ourselves before we really actually get going in the uncertainty. And, and there's a lot of tools around how to prime ourselves so that we do it, um, do the uncertainty with, with courage and with heart and with authenticity. And then on the other, on the right-hand side, the do set of tools is really about um, taking action in, a, in ways that will help us. Uncertainty re remains sometimes very uncomfortable, even when we're starting to take action. But when we do take action, we're already starting to put our mark onto it. So how do we do that well? And that is a lot of coming out of Nathan's research, actually, for his dissertation. How do we be cognitively flexible? How do we make choices and take small set steps? And then the, the, the southern tip of that cross is sustaining ourselves because we always are going to have setbacks and, and what feels like failure and maybe a warning sign that we should stop when we in, uh, face uncertainty. But it's not going to be the case that we need to stop. Often we need to keep going and just sustain ourselves and, and endure through that fear you were talking about. Yeah, and about. I think, you know, with those four, is there... You know, if you if you think about just in a daily, you know, your our daily lives, it's like sometimes we go through all of them simultaneously, I'm guessing, like in a given day, right? And so some of it is like, okay, I'm really right. facing a project or I'm launching a new business or I'm like where there's a big, massive set of uncertainties. But I'm guessing that there's little bursts of uncertainty through the day. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say that the reframing one is is the most important, that reframing set of tools, just because... So many times uh, we notice that people just feel like, oh, no, I don't like uncertainty. I'm not good at it. I like my life to be situated and clear and and I want to have control over things. And even though we are wired to love control and certainty, we need uncertainty to get to the evolution and the transformation that we all love. So, yeah, I mean, really, this whole project came out of a very simple observation really over the last 20 years of interviewing innovators. And that is very simply we admire that they do something new and we admire people who create breakthroughs. We admire even people we know who do things differently, but that only comes after uncertainty. You have to face the uncertainty to get to those things. And so I'm somebody who struggles with it. I'll be honest. I, I you know, a little bit of predilection for certainty, but what I've learned through watching these people and through practicing these tools in my own life is that, you can create such a more interesting, fulfilling life if you will have the courage to face the unknown. And so I, I really like to think of it as uncertainty and possibility are actually two sides of the same coin. And so if we can get through the uncertainty, we can get to the possibility. And so what are some recommendations of people that really feel that uncertainty and it's almost paralyzing, right? Because you have some that are fueled by that. And those are really those innovators, right? They thrive in that kind of environment where they're running through these kinds of scenarios day in and day out. And then there are others where it could just be completely debilitating, where they just never get past a certain step, whether it's believing in themselves, they're not surrounding themselves with those that support them or, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, what do you see as the, the, 
I guess the differences and maybe the stark similarities between those that embrace it and those that don't, because I'm guessing that there, there are similarities between people who have those various uh, different approaches. Yeah. Well, let's be really careful when we talk about being paralyzed by uncertainty, right? There's really two, two ways we could be paralyzed by uncertainty. One is there's just genuinely a lot of stuff going on in our lives and like that, we want to acknowledge that uncertainty can be too high. And so those cases, you want to bring down the heat of uncertainty. And one of the tools we talk about in the prime section is what we call uncertainty balancers. When we interviewed innovators, they would say really provocative things like, I love uncertainty or I eat uncertainty for breakfast. And I was like, holy smokes, that's not like me. You know, I, I don't eat uncertainty for breakfast. But when you dig down, underneath and you really drill down into their daily habits, what you'll just find is they have all these things they do to create certainty in other parts of their life that balance the uncertainty they're choosing. So they'll literally stay in the same hotel room of the same hotel every time they travel. They'll carry their breakfast with them. They have communities that support them. They marry their high school sweetheart and have friends from junior high. I mean, it's like remarkably stable. So, so if the uncertainty you're facing is just, I have so much going on right now, then you might say, how do I create some uncertainty balancers in my life? If on the other hand, the uncertainty overwhelmment you're feeling is just like, oh my gosh, it just freaks me out. It scares me so much. Maybe I could just share. Uh, there are a number of ways to take action that, that can help you, but I would just warn you, we are wired to be afraid of uncertainty. That is a normal human evolutionary response, but it's a disabling response in the environment we live in today because uncertainty is going to happen to you no matter what. Like we all learn that. And so if, if you just try to make your life so certain all the time, what you'll find is A, your life gets really boring and B, it's going to happen to you anyway. And so you're going to be ill-prepared. You're going to live a life of a lot more anxiety than you need to when if you use the tools for navigating uncertainty well, you can actually start to flip it. You can start to see like, oh, I see where the possibility is there. I'm actually kind of excited about that. And just to prove it to you, one of my favorite interviews was with the head of a national gambling organization, big gambling organization. He said, you know what we are? We're reverse insurance. We're for people whose lives have become so uncertain, they'll actually pay it's us. So certain. Sorry, their lives. Oh, I'm so sorry. Their lives have become so certain. They'll actually pay us that something new could happen. So so anyway, I just uh, I hope that helps. And, and of course, we can talk through more how to take action if you feel a little paralyzed by the unknown. I'd, I'd love to add just for people that feel like I'm not good at it. I don't want to be part of it. Having what we call um, a risk profile. So charting your risk aversion zones and your risk affinity zones. Oftentimes people think I'm not good at any risk. And then if they really looked at the different categories of risk. So for in personal terms, that could be financial risk or social risk or physical risk. It, you could make up any category you want. But this with with um, Nathan, when he was doing his PhD, he was like, oh, I should be a startup. I should I should start a startup. I should be an entrepreneur. And he was bemoaning that he just wasn't good at risk. And this really great um, mentor and professor, Tina Selig, who writes also about how do you increase opportunity in your life? She said, what, Nathan, that's not true at all. I just see, I'm, I'm actually grateful you don't love financial risk. Um, and, and in other words, she pointed out, he just wasn't maybe a financial risk taker. And she said, that's good because you're in a PhD program with three kids and your wife's starting a company. Like if you were also taking more financial risk, that would be bad. And the idea is that we can we can 
just feel more comforted when we start to see, wait a second, I'm not just like across the board bad at risk. It, we just need to notice where are where are we actually okay with some risks? Yeah, and, and you can build your ability to face risk. You know, although one of my favorite interviews with was with an executive who, as he was stepping up into the senior ranks, he realized that he his role was shifting from kind of eliminating risk and, and managing away risk to having to take on some risks and 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 to step into the unknown and to help him. He said, I was always afraid of physical confrontation. Like I was a really low risk profile in physical. And he said, so I decided to take up kickboxing, which is a super confrontational physical sport. And he said, it, it turned out to be fun. It helped me overcome my fear of physical risks. And it helped me in other domains that you can kind of build your uh, risk tolerance. Yeah, I would say, you know, when I was changing careers uh, over the last 25 years, I, I shouldn't say careers, changing jobs, you know, going from one sort of employer to another, I'd always go through this list of like, okay, should I be an entrepreneur? Everybody tells me I should be an entrepreneur. I should just break out on my own. And each time I didn't do it because I think my risk profile is low. My financial risk profile, I'm not willing to bend that just with things in my life, right? So you know, I like the paycheck. I like the health insurance. I like the 401k plan. Like I like that certainty that every two weeks something hits my bank account. Right. And not every day I'm waking up going, if I don't work, I don't make any money. You know what I mean? Like that it just wasn't for me, yes. but I, I, it took me a while. And over a bottle of wine with a friend of mine, who's a shark on shark tank, Australia, we came to the conclusion that I am just not an entrepreneur. And it was, I have to tell you, it was totally freeing for me mm -hmm. to let myself go from the feel feeling of like I was failing because I didn't want to do it or try to do it or maybe I didn't think I was strong. I just needed to like put it aside and be really like fully in on what I thought I was best at doing. Um and that sort of yeah. freeing of the two of like really that uncertainty and that risk quotient for me and getting onto the other side of it was the best thing I could have done by just sort of making a decision that that's not what I was going to do right now and just move on. <laughs> I love that. That's a perfect example of letting your aversion actually be okay. Like we don't have to be good at every kind of risk. And also though, you're clearly willing with this program, willing to take an intellectual risk, a social risk. And so you're doing the thing that fits you. And, and that's, that's great. You're going to be more effective. Yeah. And what's it. interesting mm -hmm. is my entire, like my very close friend group, which I call my tribe, all of them are entrepreneurs, every single one. And they're creative mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, creatives and entrepreneurs. Interesting. So I surround myself kind of with, you know, that kind of like entrepreneurial spirit and I vicariously get to live through them <laughs> without actually having to do it myself. It's a perfect way to, to accomplish that goal. Um, listen, if, if, if you're, if people are listening and they go, okay, so now I understand, reframe it. Where, where am I on my risk quotient? How do you retrain yourself to sort of embrace this uncertainty, especially, you know, over the last couple of years, we've really seen so much burnout and some of that may just be because of this uncertainty, I'm guessing, you know, I didn't do my dissertation on it, but I'm going to guess that part of it is, is that kind of uncertainty is really just burning people out. Mm-hmm. So I would first start with the, go back to the reframing, because once you have been able to see the possibility on the other side of the uncertainty you can actually start to already get excited about it and start embracing it just because you're like, wait a second, I don't want to be left behind on this. I want to start seeing what other options are out there for me, what other possibilities are there. So reframing is a very powerful one. And some of the tools we talk about are really meant to help you start seeing 
the opportunities available to you in a broader, wider sense. So we have things like adjacent possible, which is what Nathan was saying about if we could go sideways, you know, and see other lives we could have lived. Um, but just really letting yourself imagine more, more possibility than you already have. And then regarding burnout, do you want to speak to that? So what I'd say about burnout is it really kind of could come from two sources. And we've actually been hinting at it. One is that you've just been doing the same thing too long and you need to introduce some uncertainty into your life. You need to like reinvent yourself and just have that courage to leave the thing you're doing that's so comfortable. And, you know, one of one of the fun pieces we talk about in this book is this idea of grumpy math. That was uh, this 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 woman uh, who's a great entrepreneur. And she talked about like how if you stay in the wrong thing too long, it can lead to like actually a decrease in your potential and your pay because your heart's not in it. And then you're not really doing the performance that would get you the rewards and recognition. And so she talks about even taking the risk to stop doing something and go look for something before you kind of get in that downward spiral. So that that's one piece of it is um, there's not enough uncertainty. But you, you hinted at another piece, which is there's too much uncertainty. Everything's a fire drill. Everything's crazy. And, and where in that case, I would I would encourage you to really seriously go back to your uncertainty balancers. So find the communities of people who will support you. Find the introduce some new rituals or some routines into your life that create that moment of calm and that moment of connection and 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 recognize that that the work you're doing is now today is just one piece of a very rich and interesting life and so maybe really all this uncertainty is shaking up and shaking you up and saying hey maybe it's time to 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 change course or to do something different or do it in a different way um, so that's what I would say on that that piece around burnout. It's a complex and challenging thing, and and trust me, you know I've we've felt it. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things about writing this book was this is going to sound really weird is that the pandemic happened, and the reason why I say that is it it I had thought so much about these tools at an intellectual level and and interviews and seeing them, but I it made me freak out. I was freaking out. You know, most, all my income is from teaching and speaking and it disappeared instantly. And like Susanna was like, if you don't apply these tools, if you don't get some serious skin in the game, you don't get to write this book. And, and I, she was absolutely, absolutely right. And, and one of the most powerful experiences I've had recently with that is last summer, we were, We've been working for years on this book. We've been through the pandemic like everybody else. I was feeling super burnout. Like I was like, I am ready for a break. And life intervened. Uh, one of our children had a very serious uh, mental health crisis. He had a manic episode. He had been hospitalized and we managed to get him some treatment. But then he was in a deep, deep, deep depression. We could not leave him alone for fear that he would he would he would not stay alive and and so now we'd plan these vacations we had to cancel some of them some we couldn't cancel cuz couldn't get our reservation back and so we're literally sitting by the ocean with Susanna on one side me on the other our son in the middle in black hoodie you know you know high tops refusing to listen to music just staring out like really unhappily we're having to edit this book the upside of uncertainty i'm like freaking out. i'm like this is not what i wanted and susanna did this really beautiful reframe she said you know we could 
we could, this could have been the summer of relaxation. This could have been the summer of fun. And, but we have a very unique opportunity with this son who is in immense distress. What if we tried to make this our triumphant summer where we took something so hard and challenging and flipped it and turned it into a chance to show this son how much we love him, a chance to support him, a chance to come close as a couple. And, you know, it, it, it worked. Like we, we went back this summer to that same place. We did a redo. We said, we're going to go on vacation there and just us. And our son actually kind of was like sad, like, wait, you're not taking me this time because he, he came out of that and he felt love from his parents he felt love that his parents would support him in a down place, in the downest of down places, in a way we could never have accomplished in regular life. And so ah, that reframing is so powerful. I, I guess I just have to add that the triumphant thing sounds sometimes to me that that could be take miscommunicated. And really, it was that we were just able to keep moving. Almost like Dory and, and Nemo, like keep swimming, keep swimming. To me, it was triumphant because we weren't like at home, all depressed, like on devices, like just watching him in a room, but like, okay, he's still fine in there. Shut the door. We're like biting and editing triumphant because like we were so human and yet we're doing this. We're, we're this is so uncertain. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know what medications he's going to get. And so I think people need to be really kind and calm to themselves. It's true. Triumphant in the moment was we just keep putting one foot in front of each other. We're not going to fight. But now it's funny because in my mind it's transformed because I really see Yeah, it was kind I of I really see it's triumphant because you know it's hard with teenage teenagers. They're very maybe got lucky, but they can be very challenging. And it was it is so rare and that we got to communicate our love for this child in that moment. So now it like feels like, you know, infinitely more triumphant than in that moment. But the time was just survive. Mm -hmm. we, we're triumphant if we Yeah, survive. and I think that that goes through almost all of those, the reframe, the prime, the do, the sustain, right? I mean, I think it goes through all of them. And and I think, you know, a lot of times we always, well, at least on this podcast, when I'm talking um, and in interviewing and, and learning along the way is I sometimes make the mistake that it's applicable in the business environment, right? But that story you just gave was a very personal environment, you know, a very personal story that didn't really have anything to do with what you do, you know, nine to five in your quote unquote day job. Right. And so these tools are good on both sides. You know, if you're feeling uncertainty in your personal life and your relationships with your kids, with your parents, like, you know, with coworkers, with whatever it is, it's a similar journey. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. But I, I actually would love to say here that what I think is so fascinating about these tools is sometimes they are needing to be applied personally first before you can take them back into your career, whatever you are. I mean, if there is a, if Nathan was a boss and he was, you know, doing this kid thing at home and had employers, I mean, employees that were working with him, he would have been able to help them at, at the workplace with their burnout and their issues, because let's face it, all of us are never just those robots in our work. We are bringing all that stuff back both ways, back and forth. And so the tools of being able to navigate it personally applied to whichever aspect of your life will really help you in your career, actually, because it, it gets you comfortable with it in the places that it hits the hardest and, this, and the most um, intensively. And there's empirical research to support this. When we look at like established organizations that are able to respond to disruption, 
It's the ones who are able to frame it in terms of the possibility, not the uncertainty who succeed. And and you you probably experienced this during the pandemic. I got to see many organizations respond. I saw some leaders say things like, this is the worst thing that's happened since the Great Depression. And guess what? Those folks inside that company were freaking out. Compare that with, say, Airbnb, which is in like one of the worst affected industries. And the CEO, Brian Chesky, what does he say? He says, this is our chance. This is our moment to show we're a great company because great companies are forged in moments of crisis. Like how differently do you feel than that? So I would say very much, we wrote these tools to you as an individual, but the same principle applies in an organizational setting. But as Susanna said, you kind of have to develop this uncertainty muscle first before you can really as effectively lead others along the way. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap this up, Nathan. Well said. Uh, so for all of you listening, go pick up your copy of The Upside of Uncertainty uh, by Nathan and Susanna Furr. Um, any last parting words on how people can keep in touch with you and, and your work, follow your work uh, and what you might have coming up next? I would go check out the website we created, The Upside of Uncertainty, which is you know right after the book title because we really wrote about all the tools, tried to make them accessible. There's gonna be an asynchronous course. I mean, really our motivation is to try to help people create careers and lives they love. So all of it's there and you can, you can check it out there. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right, well, thank you both for joining me today on the What's Next podcast. It's been a pleasure. Uh, to learn about, you know, leaning into uncertainty and reframing it so that it can be a great motivator for you to be your best self day in and day out. So thank you again for joining me. Thanks, Tiffany.